Welcome to the Get Real About Safety podcast. In our podcast, we discuss the new view of safety, what works and what doesn't work, to break down old paradigms and help you improve safety performance in your organization. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Pam, and we appreciate you listening. Please share and subscribe and tell others about this podcast. You can find us on most podcast platforms and also on YouTube. Good morning, and thanks for listening. We have had a lot of great feedback on our podcast on achieving our 21st anniversary with ProSafe. Can't tell you how grateful we are for all your comments. Today, I want to talk about how safety and health standards in the U.S. have been historically dictated by politics rather than science. This ties into the very real problem of managing work and daily life in the midst of a pandemic. So let's talk about how OSHA standards have been influenced by political pressure and by lobbying groups. When the OSHA Act was passed in 1970, there were health standards adopted that were based on scientific studies from the 1950s to the 1960s. OSHA recognizes that many of its permissible exposure limits, or PELs, as we refer to them, are outdated and inadequate for ensuring protection of worker health. Most of OSHA's PELs were issued shortly after adoption of the Occupational and Safety and Health Act in 1970 and have not been updated since that time. While the science clearly shows that our current PELs are at a level that will result in unacceptable death and disease, we can't seem to get the political will to revise them. One great example is hexavalent chromium. It took a lawsuit by a public health group to lower the PEL which was granted due to the extremely high potential for cancer at the original level. This lack of a focus on science has caused an unacceptable level of death and disease for American workers. Science evolves over time, and what we knew before must also evolve with that new knowledge. What we believed in the 1600s is not what we believe today. Today, we are facing a massive health crisis with COVID-19. This is a novel virus. This is not the flu that we've come to know in the past decades. Novel means there is much we do not know, but we are learning. And when we learn, we must change our response and our methods of managing the virus. If we did not learn and evolve, we would still be treating the bubonic plague with leeches instead of antibiotics. With COVID-19, there are knowns and there are unknowns. We're learning more each day about how this virus is transmitted. This knowledge has recently evolved from a focus on droplets to aerosol transmission. Because of this new knowledge, we need to adjust our management methods to consider a need to focus on ventilation systems so we went from what we thought was a known, droplets, to a revised knowledge requiring change. Also, because this is a novel virus, the ultimate long-term health effects are an unknown. We are at the beginning of this pandemic, and we're learning more every day. 
What we are learning is truly frightening with the potential for devastating long-term health issues for a portion of those who are infected. There are very likely unknown unknowns, things we don't know that we don't know, which means that protection from the virus is all the more critical. Masks are a major tool in our toolbox to prevent infection and transmission to others. The science and history tells us that masks clearly provide at least some level of protection. Masks were required in the 1918 pandemic. In fact, mask wearing was perceived as an act of wartime patriotism. So what happened? What has changed since 1918? I'm really perplexed by the pushback by some of the public to wearing masks. I see three possible underlying reasons for this resistance. One reason goes back to the problem of politics versus science. I'm sure I'm going to get pushback for saying this, but somehow this basic health measure has become a symbol of political divide among us. Personally, I don't care who you vote for. Voting is your sacred right as an American, and we're truly blessed to have that right. But exercising your right to not wear a mask means you're potentially hurting your neighbor. Wearing a mask is not about you. It's about protecting those you come in contact with. The second reason for resistance is the pervasive belief that masks don't work. The science tells us they do. The history tells us they do. The healthcare workers tell us they do. Yes, there's varying level of protection based on the type of mask versus face covering, etc. But overall, there is no doubt that there is protection provided. So all we can do is continue to educate and disseminate the science behind masks. The third reason for the resistance is probably the inevitable pushback to wearing PPE. Those of us in safety and health are all too familiar with this. PPE is uncomfortable. It provides a soon certain and negative consequence to the wearer. Right here, right now, it feels bad. So how do we handle that in the workplace? Well, one way is to mandate the wearing of PPE as a condition of employment. And yeah, that's necessary. But it's not the most effective means of achieving compliance. What's even more effective is leadership. When our managers and supervisors embrace the use of PPE and model the desired behaviors, most workers will willingly follow their leaders. Philip describes this as social proof. In a nutshell, people tend to do what they see others in their group doing. For more on this subject, go on over to leaderthink.com and see what Philip has to say about that. One other effective means of achieving compliance is through education. Are we effectively communicating how masks and face coverings protect you and the others around you? Education is more effective than just telling people to do what we say. I've seen an awful lot of misinformation on social media about masks. It's up to us in the safety and health profession to show leadership and to do our part in educating those that we have influence on. There's a lot of very good educational material available for us to use to visually communicate how masks provide protection. Which brings me to this question. 
why are we not seeing the public health announcements in education? Why are we not seeing like commercials on TV? Why are we not seeing the public health announcements and education that we saw during the 1918 pandemic? There was a great deal of government outreach to educate the public back then, and it had a very positive effect. It's another thing I'm perplexed about. All we can do is influence those in this sphere around us. As health and safety professionals, we have a duty to show leadership, to educate, and by doing so, to save others from pain and suffering, even death. We may get pushback, especially on social media, but for those of us in safety, we're used to getting pushback and to persevering anyway. It's a small price to pay for the good we can do. Love your neighbor, be a good person, and wear your damn mask. <laughs>